Got a question, the voices are rising, I hear Oh, plastics. Plastics is an SPE-sponsored podcast. Hi. Hey, girl. How's it going? you with your little split shirt feeling. Yeah, it's like, it's like a oh, all sorts color, color block. Stuff. You're really living 90s. for the color. Well, I mean, I was kind of coordinated because I got the lipstick and the shirt kind of matching the top half of your shirt. Absolutely. Absolutely. We planned that. We did plan that. So everyone who is not on the visual feed, we look identical. You can't tell us apart. 100% (laughs) twins. (laughs) Okay. So, well, we got a podcast to record. Um, I think that is the purpose of this adventure here. I'm Lindsay Neville, and I'm an upstream product quote engineer for Cytiva. I am uh, Mercedes Landazzari, and I am a color expert and um, met Lindsay through uh, some of the uh, work that we've done for uh, and with SPE. Um, And with our powers combined, we are Plastics, the voices of resin. Ah, We're so good. So (laughs) um, our podcast comes out the first Friday of every month, so you can... Uh, listen to us anywhere that a podcast shows up. And then if you're feeling extra uh, fancy, you can check us out on YouTube uh, for the visuals. So you can actually see how much Mercedes and I are twins. Um, <laughs> or you could just, you know, watch the awkwardness along with the audio. That's exciting. And we're on social media, uh, all the social medias. Not TikTok yet. Except for TikTok. But we have the handle. We will probably never make a TikTok, but we'll talk about it. At we least will talk time. about it until TikTok gets taken down by the government. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so. um, and today uh, we have a guest that I have known for, I don't know, I'm going to say three years because we're both so young and, um, <laughs> you know, barely out of school. Uh, So we have Mason Myers, who is the principal implementation consultant at Autodesk. I have to guess that he paid extra money for the extra words in his title. Um, But we'll see. Welcome, Mason. (laughs) Hi, Mason. Hey, Lindsay. Hey, Mercedes. Uh, Thanks for having me. And congrats on the, uh, the podcast in general, as well as the Trendy Award. So you guys won an award earlier this year. That is awesome. We are award winners. As Lindsay likes to say, we're award-winning journalists. It's on my resume now. <laughs> Sounds like a paid title as well. <laughs> so yeah. you guys, you guys go way back. I'm pretty sure further back than three years. Um, so tell me before we dive into to the the real agenda. Tell me how you guys know each other, um, how you met, et cetera, et cetera, and maybe what mutual friends we all have in common from those days. Ooh. I'll start since I have. Um... I'm the guest, right? Uh, so <laughs> Lindsay and I went to college together at Penn State. And uh, my first two years, uh, I was a class officer for four of them, um, all four years. And everything was going great my first two years. <laughs> I was class president. And then junior year is really tough, about both academically. And then also junior year, one of my uh, advisors came up to me and said, you know, you're a pretty good um, student president, but that freshman class has this really good president that is way better than you and that is how i met Lindsay. we started our very rocky relationship 
<laughs> you're that's that's kind of how Lindsay and I met. Too. Yeah. So basically, I mean, honestly, it's a good trend. I just start off with many enemies, and I force you to like me. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, Meckley was like, yeah, Lindsay is she's like selling T-shirts and all kinds of stuff. You haven't done any of that in three years, so. Oh, Meckley, um, you know, isn't yeah. Meckley retired now? Did I hear that? He is yeah. he might be in Antarctica for all we know right now. So. Uh, I think he just posted a video of him going down a hill in Holiday Valley. So close. He's he's still in the local area, <laughs> but I'm sure next week it'll be a video from somewhere else. Uh, <laughs> Yes. So we, we, we did the school thing at the same time. And then um, actually when I moved back to Erie, it was Mason who said, Hey, I'm a part of the local SBE chapter. You should get involved. So, I mean, I think it was part of him just shirking his duties, but the other part of it (laughs) is kind of what got my, you know, my local SBE involvement um, started. Oh, wow. I had no idea. I just always assumed you uh, started all that because you were trying to beat me with Uh, boards. No, no, my my spite, my spite had a different path for the beginning part. (laughs) (laughs) And then it was spite for you. So, you know, it's just different trains. So, um, Mason, tell tell us about Autodesk. What is it? Yes, that's that's a good sure. starter question. <laughs> so Autodesk is a really interesting company. We are a solutions provider. Um, we make a lot of different softwares for different industries. So architecture, construction, media and entertainment, and then obviously the manufacturing space, which is where I sit. So some of your listeners might know Autodesk from Autodesk Moldflow simulation software, which I hope we talk more about. Uh, I know a little bit about that. Um, But there's other tools that we offer like uh, Autodesk Inventor, Fusion 360, Vault, Nastran. All these can be used in the manufacturing space of not just plastic products, but other products as well. Well, I think um, I may have some experience in the the mold flow uh, world. Once or twice, I've fired up that baby. Um, And actually, I was going to ask you a really ridiculous question, but um, I didn't want to waste time on that. I'll save it for the end. That's what we do. Well, I was going to, um, well, it was specifically on your don't ask me list of (laughs) Okay, so we can save that for the end. (laughs) And I was going to say, if you were going to mesh a model of Ben Roethlisberger, what would you use? (laughs) Wait, so this was specifically, so for all of our listeners, we before we send out an agenda um, to, to all of our our guests, we first send them a primer, which is like, is there anything you specifically want to talk about? Anything um, interesting and exciting that you can, that you're working on that you can tell us about? And the the third and most important question is anything that is off the table. So Lindsay has just and I have just driven straight into off the table because um, Mason is a Steelers fan, which is unfortunate for him and. As we all know, I am a Bills fan, and we are amazing. So, are you? So, are you from Pittsburgh then? Uh, I grew up about an hour north of Pittsburgh, so not didn't live downtown or nothing like that. But uh, I am from that local area. But to answer your question, Lindsay, if I was going to mesh something of Ben Roethlisberger, it'd probably be one of his uh, Lombardi trophies because we have a lot of them. 
How many? Oh, I did walk into that on my own. You yeah, did. That good. should be on your list, Lindsay. That should be on my list. <laughs> to talk about. All right. Well, getting off a topic I don't want to talk about anymore. So, <laughs> what is your role at Autodesk? So, as you said, uh, my paid title that uh, you think is made up, but um, <laughs> principal impl- implementation consultant. Uh, that is just uh, the terms that we use in the consultant group. Uh, I am on the consultant group in the manufacturing space, um, so I do focus on mold flow. Uh, as I mentioned before, it's a really great role because uh, consulting, we work with a lot of our larger customers that buy pretty much every piece of software. So our customers have access to every piece of software that we offer. So I might be in there working with Moleflow and other colleagues might be working with, you know, cam tools or inventor or something like that. But as I mentioned, my main focus is Moleflow. So I would go in and do training, consulting around the Moleflow product line. Uh, and then when I'm not teaching or running Moleflow, I also sit on the certification team for Moleflow. So I'm helping to make sure the next generation of Moleflow associates, professionals, and experts are up to our standards. So to clarify, um, you work on the actual mold flow side and not on the mold flow simulation side. Is that right? No, mold flow simulation, mold flow. I use those terms interchangeably. Okay. Gotcha. So, so why do you think that simulation software can be dangerous in the hands of just anyone? I don't know if I believe that. I think that simulation is a tool, just like any tool. If it's used properly, you know, good things can happen. If it's used improperly, um, bad things can happen, but I, th- I think that anyone can use simulation. I don't think that Moldflow in particular discriminates. Um, I, f- I feel that I can teach anyone that's willing to learn. Um, it, it does have its subtle nuances, I would say, but um, I, I think that's what I love about Moldflow is that I've had the opportunity to train a lot of different people from different backgrounds. And so, you know, anywhere from an intern to someone that has a PhD, um, anywhere in between. And some of my best customers uh, were um, like business majors, which surprised me because they were going through certification. And I was like, where did you do your engineering undergrad? And they're like, oh, I'm a business major. And that kind of surprised me um, because it is kind of a little bit technical to run the software. But uh, other times I had a, a tooling apprentice from Switzerland who um, English was his third language. So anytime I'm training him, right, he has to go from English to French, French to German. And I trained this guy for a whole week. And um, again, just a tooling apprentice, not that that's wrong, but normally that's not the person you have running simulation. But he was amazing. He was asking questions about workflows that I've never really thought about. So I'm in the opinion that anyone can roll anyone can run Moleflow that's willing to put in the time. But I think that's the key right there is the time. Um, I know some of the uh, just in casual conversations with you and one of our other mutual friends who does a lot of uh, training in this arena, you know, sometimes without that kind of training, people can kind of go off of instinct um, or not instinct. What kind of training do you guys offer that kind of puts people at a level where you would feel comfortable being like, okay, here you go. You can run this, you can run whatever for your company. 
I, th I think it depends on what you want to do with the tool, right? If you're just doing some very basic upfront simulations, where should the gate be? How am I going to design my runner? Those types of things can be taught in just a few days. Now, that's a few days of training, but then you have to kind of pick it up and, and use it yourself. Otherwise, the training's kind of for naught. But what's interesting about Autodesk is we've taken the same type of technology within Moleflow and we've actually pushed it to our Fusion platform. So someone that's maybe an upfront designer, right? They're not going to know, they're not an expert in simulation. But if those people can start making decisions about wall thickness or rib design, gate location at an upfront level, I think it frees up the the analysts to do crazy, um, crazy in-depth simulation. So the, the, the mold flow inside of Fusion, we call um, injection molding simulation in Fusion 360. I don't know why we have these crazy terms, but, um, <laughs> you know, it, it has a lot of built-in um, what we call tool tips. So if they're trying to do something, we kind of give them, you know, a little push, say, don't do that. That's, that's not good. Or keep doing that. That's good. Right. Um, but it's funny because a lot of the Moleflow experts on the team help author those little tool tips. So it's kind of like having a, an analyst right there with you when you're using some of those upfront mm -hmm. tools. This was a very long winded answer to say it varies based on the product that you're trying to learn. So say, say if an industrial designer, for example, is designing a part, right. would they then get an alert that, hey, this part might be tricky to create a mold for? Um, they, would, they could do things like if you make a wall thickness that's crazy thick, mm -hmm. they might get a warning saying your cooling time is going to be crazy long because mm -hmm. your wall thickness. This 65 hours. Exactly. <laughs> right. Um, so we, we do keep it high level at the part design. Now we are looking at incorporating more in-depth um, types of you know, tools like um, mold design and runners, but we're not quite there yet, at least with that product. Mm -hmm. And I will say, um, I don't know if you had this problem or this project, Mason, because you're so much older than me. <laughs> um, but uh, I think it was junior year. We had uh, designs come from a school in Ohio. Yes. And it was, yeah, it was the yeah. industrial design school there. And they sent you just CAD files and they had, and, and the point was they specifically had no experience with moldability right. or anything along those lines. And you had to take that part and, you know, turn it into something moldable and, um, you know, functional in the actual manufacturing world and then feed it back to them, um, which, you know, I feel like it's kind of like the, the software step is what you guys are. Right hinting at over there. That's interesting you mentioned that, Lindsay, because I often referred that in my training because I think that was the first time that I ran a 3D mesh analysis. And I remember that day like it was yesterday. I thought it was the <laughs> coolest thing ever. I thought it looked like Play-Doh flowing through a mold, which is kind of what our 3D um, simulation looks like. And uh, yeah, that was a really interesting project. Shout out to Jason Williams on that one because uh, I learned a lot going through that project. I think it's Right behind me somewhere. We can dig it out. I probably could. Oh, oh, mine's in the basement. I can, I can grab mine. <laughs> yeah, yeah I mean, mine's. I got mine like right on the bookshelf. It's, it's, it's the other bookshelf in the other room. And I, I think about that kind of stuff all the time because I know, you know, Mercedes and I. Well, Mercedes has more technical than like that school. Mercedes comes from things from a lot more design perspective that I don't have in any way. And like I always say, if Mercedes and I are talking, like she'll sketch something up, and I will give her a bulleted list, like. 
that is the delineation. Um, and I think that type of project shows where that, you know, where people could differ so much and having those little alerts um, is definitely something I feel like as one of, you know, probably someone in the injection molding side would appreciate a designer having. Absolutely. But what's interesting about mold flow is like, I'm not a very good part designer. I am not a tool mm-hmm. tool designer at all. I'm pretty weak in materials, if I'm being honest. And, <laughs> Tell us um, what you're good at. <laughs> uh, processing really isn't that fun to me either, but I do know aspects of all four of those, which if you think about simulation, it kind of sits in the middle. So I'm not an expert of any of those, but I understand design enough to say, that's not good. Maybe we should do it this way. Yeah. yeah. And so kind of, you know, going along that, you have a, a fun little thing um, that you throw up on LinkedIn every Monday called Mold Flow Mondays, which I love. I love, love that. Love, I the say, love the alliteration. Um, <laughs> so tell us, why do you do that? What kind of tips do you give? Um, what kind of feedback do you get on that? Right. So Mold Flow Mondays, as you mentioned, is just something that uh, I was talking with my manager earlier this year and I said, I'm going to do this on LinkedIn and I'm just going to see where it goes. So every Monday I have a little post on just some random tip that has to do with mold flow normally. Um, and it's just uh, this thing that's kind of spun out of control a little bit. Um, I get a lot of great feedback. So uh, there's a couple of us that train uh, people in mold flow here at Autodesk. Uh, unfortunately, there's only two of us. So we have to train pretty much the entire globe as far as Autodesk customers. So I have a lot of outreach, a lot of customers. Um, and so when I post these things, you know, I get people from Germany and Mexico and uh, in India commenting and, and having discussions on mold flow. It really just makes my Mondays suck less. Like I, it's something I look forward to. And um, I don't know, I, I look forward to posting and seeing what what gets a response and what what gets crickets uh, when I make those posts. That's great. So what did this initiative come from Autodesk or was it your own? I, I don't, I mean, no one from Autodesk really um, gave me the idea. I just got, um, I don't know. I really got tired of seeing like a lack of tech tips around um, mold flow. And, and I think there's a lot of misconceptions around the tool and it just kind of drove me a little crazy. So I started making a list of things I wanted to cover and I thought, you know, I'm going to run out of ideas here come January or J- June or something like that. And it's just, the list keeps growing and I keep doing it. But um one of the uh, one of our partners in Germany asked me to come speak at a conference, uh, and I said, "Sure." What do you want me to talk about? They're like, "Why don't you talk about Molflow Monday?" So uh, it got me a, a trip over to Europe to talk about um, that in with some of our customers. Well earned beer. Exactly. Um. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so you talk about you talk about misconceptions, and um, I know that uh, Moldflow can be seen as 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 too time consuming of a first step by some. Um, what would you say is the biggest payoff by doing the, the multiple simulation first? Well, I mean, to people that say it's time consuming, I would say you could always go back to the hand calcs, right? If you want to do it that way. Um, Perfect. I'm, in, Sorry, go, know, back to, go back to the what? The hand calculations. So mm-hmm. you could do the equations by hand if you really wanted to. Do. Um, I've done both. The simulation is less time consuming than the hand calcs. Um, you know, as far as the payoff, right, I, th- I feel like my professors in college did a 
pretty good job of teaching me what to do and what not to do. But sometimes you just have to make mistakes for yourself. Um, and even, you know, myself, you know, I've made mistakes on putting gates in stupid locations. And I go back to the simulation and the simulation was trying to tell me that I just didn't pay attention. So as far as the the payoff is really just, you know, it's it's almost like having another engineer sit next to you and try to catch your mistakes. So the payoff is really time and money. Um, I've done both, right? I've, in my last job, um, I kind of was the process engineer, the part designer, the mold designer, and the mold flow dork. And when I didn't run a mold flow, startup was a lot more painful. But if I had the simulation ahead of time, it just seemed to go a lot easier as far as getting a process up and running. Yeah, I know. I know we all know shops that um, don't need it because, uh, you know, the, the the thought is too time consuming or too much expense or we've we've molded something like this, something similar, It's not going to be a problem. And I think, you know, every time you see those people stuck it is where you go back to, you know, would you be stuck? If you had the data to to kind of assist you in the beginning or, or kind of help you out, um, you know, because you can you can always do your quick cheater fixes. Okay, well we'll just open sure. up the gate or we'll do you know whatever. But if that's not working now, now what? Like right. you've already right. opened up your gate. You've already you know right. prayed to the it, gods and they're <laughs> not yeah, answering. It, it reminds me of something that Mike Seppi had. Uh, he he. Uh, yeah, so when I attended his materials seminar, um, he had. Uh, made this reference to um it was either his daughter or his granddaughter's experience <clears throat> and the, the idea here is basically you know we hold these things that we think are truths and we go through not even as engineers or scientists but in life we go through these tests of our of of, of our truths right and he, so this was his, maybe his daughter um knowing like okay i turn on the tv and this specific show is on right and that was her truth but then she was interrupted and she went back to turn it on and it was like what happened to the show right so it was like she didn't know the truth of her turning on the tv at a different time and (laughs) not being on it's it's the same thing right it's like you don't you're not even taking into account oh this other thing was happening that's actually affecting (laughs) right it's not one-to-one it's right and i think that that goes two ways sorry to interrupt you lindsay but to go back to the the skeptics right um I wouldn't discredit, right, um, historical knowledge, right? So we have a pretty diverse industry, a really good group of of tooling um, people in our our industry. Those people are not to be, you know, discredited by any means. They have a ton of experience, but I'm saying that simulation can be used in combination with those historical experiences and try to find a, a best path forward in the quickest time. And, you know, speaking about those people who decide not to do, you know, any simulation up front, if they get to a point in their project where they are stuck or they are struggling, do you see a value in retroactively doing a simulation? Do you have examples of doing that in the past? I mean, yeah, I think about 50% of my applications are um, existing molded parts. Now, if they're running fine, they're not going to come to me and 
asked me to run a mold flow on them, right? So it's normally something is gone awry and they're trying to use simulation to fix it. I would say that a lot of times we can, sometimes we can't, right? And I try to be transparent about that, but you know, the upfront simulation, I really think that's a missing piece. I wish we did more of that in our industry. Mm-hmm. I was just working with a medical customer and I love them to death. It's one of my favorite customers, but they were doing some insert over molding and the insert was historically metallic and they were looking to switch it to be a plastic insert. And I was running simulation for them. And I was like, did you want to melt the insert during molding? And they're like, no, no, that insert can't melt. And (laughs) what we found was if they used uh, those two types of plastics, that the insert would melt. And they thought that that would have cost them like 30 to 40 grand to try to fix that. So yeah, there could be, times where you kind of luck into wins like that. But I think that's what you have to kind of keep your eye out for is those kind of um, potential problems. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would be bad. Don't want to melt your insert exactly. if you are specifically trying to <laughs> insert. <laughs> Sometimes you might want to have like a thin layer of remote. Right. But in this case, no, it was it was pretty severe that, uh, yeah, was not going to end, end well. Right. Love that. Um. So speaking of like uh, simulating inserts and stuff like that, like, I mean, maybe that existed back in the day when I was first booting up the old DOS computer to run simulation. (laughs) Um, But, um, you know, is that like a newer advancement? Is that kind of stuff, you know, part of what is really being developed by um, Autodesk? So instead of answering your question, I'm, I'm going to ask you both that a question. That sounds about right. <laughs> so what year do you think Moldflow was founded? Take a guess. Wasn't it like, I feel like I maybe know. Wasn't 1982. Like, wasn't it like 73? It was 1978. Ah, I was going to say 78. But for a software company, that's... That's insane. So yeah. obviously Autodesk uh, acquired Moldflow, I think 15 years ago or so, but Moldflow itself was a software company. It's been around since the late seventies, which is nuts. So yeah, Lindsay, there's a ton of stuff that's been around for a long time. Um, insert over molding. I think we could do that when we were learning the tool three years ago as Sorry, memory. Moldflow could do that, not me. <laughs> well, I mean, that's something that we typically reserve for the advanced course. Um, in, in our fundamentals course, we typically cover the basics and insert over molding. While important is something we reserve for the advanced users, which is probably why we didn't learn about it in, in college. We are not but, in the advanced category. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's actually pretty easy to do that. Um, the way Moldflow handles your CAD coming in is... Um, just like meshing multiple bodies, which is pretty easy. Hmm. So if you had like multiple Vince Lombardi trophies that you're trying to mesh, no, it this would, was all on me. Just as easy this as is my fault. One. So what are so what are some of the newer advancements that um, that uh, modern mold flow can account for? Sure. So that are I'm, not insert molding from the <laughs> early old news. Old news. <laughs> so. Uh, Back when I was learning the tool, uh, I, I think the two things that I've been impressed with is cloud solving and meshing improvement. So cloud solving has been really a uh, game changer for us because 
Back in the day when, when, when I started, before Lindsay started using Moldflow, um, our so many years before. <laughs> we're so old and slow and like an analysis could take hours um, or, you know, several hours, if not a full day. Cloud solving has really helped with that because now you can launch the data to the cloud and you're not tying up your laptop. So I can launch I do. It. I do remember like having a group of us were doing it. We would like launch your... Your, um, to Joe's machine. Yeah. Yeah. You would, you would launch it and then it'd be like, all right, three of us are going to go down and get some food at Bruno's. What do you want? You watch our computer. Yep. So nobody comes in the lab and takes them, but like these are going to be running for a while. Right. That's but amazing. That- so was it like also what, and like, was this also the time of like dial up internet where you're like writing like, I'm waiting was actually an operator. To load? <laughs> <laughs> Just after dial. It's actually, we weren't too, that, too far away from dial up, like maybe five, six years. But yeah, Lindsay, it's basically like you're doing that now, except there's a bank of, you know, a hundred computers that are crunching the job. And then um, the second one is meshing, right? Meshing used to take a whole day, right? Six to eight hours Mm -hmm. to mesh a a part, which was insane. Now that's down to like minutes. If I have to clean up a mesh, right? I've, I'm contemplating my life choices. Some, something has gone (laughs) wrong in my project that I have to like spend time to clean up the mesh. And, Those and two. Same, same with like that. I remember, I remember starting meshes and it was like, you have to get it started before you leave the lab tonight, or yeah. you will not have it for class the next day. Yeah. And you're like, Oh shit. <laughs> So, so for for those of us who may not be molding experts, what is what is mesh? What is meshing? What are you what are you talking about? So, say we want to simulate a part, right? My mouse, right here, right? We can't just say, figure out the pressure to mold that part. We have to break it up into tiny chunks that we call mesh. And these little chunks, we can calculate things like temperature, pressure, shear rate along the mass. So it's a way of taking a very complex part breaking it into smaller subsections, do a bunch of calculations, and then we get our final answer there. But not hand calcs. You could, but <laughs> you could that's what we're doing. That's what the computer's doing. Um, if you're a conspiracy theorist and right. <laughs> don't want the computers to take over the world, right. you can do the hand calc. <laughs> I would rather die. I actually did that in my last <laughs> job. My, my boss refused to pay for a mold flow simulation before we uh, got access to the tool. And he wanted me to design a mold with like four different materials. And I was like, I can't sign off on this design. So I did some hand calcs. It took like a whole day. And I threw this stack of papers at him and I said, this would have taken minutes in simulation, but you made me waste the whole day. But we got it soon How after. But- I like that. Not- it was very sassy and it still got you the software and not fired. Exactly. <laughs> and this is not your old boss, John Beaumont, you're talking about. No, no, it was the boss in between. I've had okay. so many bosses, right? How many bosses have you had in your industry, in your careers? Oh, so many. Gosh, I lot. mean, at least, yes, more than this many. Yeah. Those not watching the video. Yes, more than five. Yeah. Same. Yeah, I've probably had about 10. That's crazy. I mean, yeah. I'm yeah, double digits too. Yeah, I'm probably in that in that ballpark. Um, yeah, and and I think that's that's one of those things where, you know, it, it seems like a luxury, like to have mold flow. Like if, if you're talking to someone who's like just starting, just trying to start start building molds and get them running, um, you know, sometimes that can seem like oh, we don't need this extra stuff. It's 
you know, the same as like the automated dryer. Like, we don't need that. We can just scoop it out. It'll be fine. Nothing will go wrong. And I, I think that's one of those things that gets missed, um, you know, as we were talking about earlier, as, as something that you could be spending an entire day doing work, or you could be skipping over that and then having to go back and still spend that money or still spend that that day um, trying to pick up what you lost right in progression and even if when you have the tool um i like it when moleflow disagrees with me and it's kind of weird i kind of have this inner monologue between myself and and my moleflow results but i think that's the point it's a very interesting conversation but no like you you run something and you expect it to fill like you you kind of have um an expectation right it's going to fill in x psi or whatever and when it disagrees with you that's when you pause and dig in to figure out why is that different so for me i actually like it i like it when moleflow agrees with me that means that means i'm doing my job but when it disagrees with me I think that's really interesting because that's time to pause and, and catch something that you might not have caught, especially if you weren't running the simulation. So, yeah, absolutely. It goes back to turning on the TV at a different exactly, time. Re, exactly. Redefining your truth, re, re, revamping your thesis. Right? Exactly. So when it does disagree with you, you know, obviously you've been around low flow for a while, but, you know, say someone who's newer to low flow or, you know, just you know, day one on the job, trying to get something done. What can they do to kind of, you know, check themselves besides handcuffs? Like, I was just, just, just going to say handcuffs <laughs> again. Just handcuffs. Uh, so, <laughs> this is a math-based program. Everybody needs <laughs> a good notebook and a good calculator. So I, I was actually teaching a course in Chicago and uh, I was kind of checking the box. Custer gave me a part. It was like a, not the size of a license plate, but it was a, a gasket or a seal. And they said that we use six gates. So I put the gates three on one side, three on another, symmetrically spaced. And I'm smarter than Moldflow. I ran it and and I was about to teach the course. And I was like, oh crap, I should show them the gate location tool where Moldflow helps you pick where to gate the part. And so I ran it. I knew what Moldflow was going to say because I'm smarter than Moldflow. And it gave me something that I didn't expect. The gates were basically asymmetric. And I was like, why? And so, Lindsay, if I ever have that that curiosity, I I run it, right? Run it, run what Moleflow thinks I should do, and then run what, what I think I should do, and we'll see who's right. And that was one case where I was not right. And I love that because I was just so confident and so smart that I was going to be so much smarter than Moleflow. And it was like, no, no, you're not. So <laughs> I, I guess that's the point is like, it's a, it's a sanity check. Um, sometimes the analyst is smarter than Moleflow, but other times they're not. So when you have that question, just run it and then back it up with data. So when when I used to run Moleflow in college, like just learning the tool, I used to run like one or two studies and like my homework was done, right? The longer that I run Moleflow for a profession, all of a sudden now my studies look like they're 10 or 12 individual studies because I'm trying different materials or different gate locations. And if you launch them all, you know, you can give, get a lot of answers in a short amount of time, especially with cloud solving. Well, I was going to say, and now back in the day when you're trying to do it for homework, you only had 18 hours <laughs> right. to that have done. One or two studies might be all you have time for. Right. Um, it, you know, you were kind of talking about like there's the gate location finder. Um, you know, you're saying you're running a bunch of different materials. Is there 
like a variable or a parameter that you see from customers that they they don't think as is as big of a deal as it really ends up being? Like, do people just say, oh, I can just run whatever material, that's going to be fine. Or, oh, I can pick the gate location, that's going to be fine. Um, or whatever else. Yeah, so I think, yes, I see it. And it's kind of one of my sticking points is we go through training and I show them all these cool tools. And my biggest beef is when I come back to them and they're using like the default settings. Meanwhile, they should have been like, like, is that the melt temperature you're using? And they're like, oh, I don't know. It's just the default. So that drives me nuts because maybe you've, maybe you won't, maybe you should use the default or maybe you shouldn't like, like just put it in there, right? Figure it out. Um, so that I, I would probably say the process in general, just, mm-hmm. just think about, you know, any injection molding process. If you just put in random numbers at the set point, you're going to get a part. It might be short. It might be flashed. Maybe it's a good one. I don't know. But if you adjust the temperatures, the, the filling speeds, the VP switchover, pack and hold times, right? Things change. That's why we have all those knobs on our injection molding machine. So I would right. say people using the defaults drives me insane when they when they know that they maybe shouldn't be using those defaults. And so say you have, like I said, someone who's somewhat new on mold flow and they're using the default settings and maybe someone like you... Uh, steps in and tells them like, let's not. Very politely. Very, very politely. Poli- I'm sure it's the, <laughs> it's the email signed with a principal implementation consultant at Autodesk. Um, please not please. like a per my last email. <laughs> Those are my emails. Um, how do you, what do you, what do you suggest? Do you suggest they do more simulation to figure out where their settings should be? Or do you suggest they take it to the floor and, but, figure out there or is it a combination exactly it could be a combination like is the tool it's almost like you have two different ways to use simulation is the tool in production because if it is you don't need to do a lot of upfront homework to figure out gate location runner size right that's known right the tool is built what is the runner size what is the fill time go look it up if it's a new application then they get a pass a partial pass for me because there's a lot of ways that for we now. Use. yeah we'll see but there's a lot of different avenues you can take to help figure that out there's even some some old school um code that's still available called uh like molding window um it's one of my favorite analysis to run because it's fast you get an answer in seconds but that can help you establish your mold melt and injection time using old school strip files that you could do by hand calcs or Excel, if that would But that's basically what it is. It's simplifying the part into a flow length, assuming um, some thickness variation, but it gets you an answer very fast. I would rather you do that as a starting point than just like whatever the default is for the material. Mm-hmm. And are you able to take different resins into account? Like if, you know, now with everybody increasing levels of PCR or, you know, in my world, you know, where you have 4% master batch that's sure. a different melt flow. Yeah, so um, we do have a pretty large material database. We have over 12,000 materials, which sounds cool if you're a, a simulation analyst, but if you're a material supplier, right, that may seem on the low end. Um, but we do have a pretty wide database, and we also have some testing facilities here in North America, Beaumont being one of them. You can pay to get your material characterized. Um, if you are in another location, you can send it to our labs in Australia. Um, same equipment, both locations. 
they can do uh, a full characterization. That way your material is characterized and you're going to get the best results with your material. But can you see, can you, can you, I guess, because you, you would have to make an, a compound of, of the two different materials right. at this point, right? You don't yeah. have a way. It, it is, I mean, is that something that, that you guys are working on that you can talk about or is that it, not on the, on the agenda yet for Autodesk? I mean, you can go in and change things, but you're kind of like ripping the tag off the mattress at that point. Like you're voiding the warranty a little bit. Um, I don't recommend <laughs> you that you go in. the tag on your mattress? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I don't recommend, but you can. Um, you know, we've talked to, to you know, I've had conversations with uh, other mold flow analysts about doing something similar to that. Um, I would like to maybe see a research project on that, but it's still in flux. But maybe I can talk to um, um, some people that do material testing and see what uh, if that would be a viable research project. Look at that, Mercedes. You're already making waves in mold flow. <laughs> All right, I think it's something that that um, that simulators have already you know been thinking about for a while, but nobody knows how to tackle. Right. But I just see it come, will start coming up more as people start to use different levels of PCR, you right. know, more, more so than the, than the master batch side, which is right. a much lower right. level. But it, it's, you know, it's kind of interesting. As you point out, you'd almost have to have different characterizations for different batches. Um, mm -hmm. Another thing that would be interesting is if we could put ranges on that, but boy, I just, because you know, we're testing for a certain batch. Hopefully we, we have minimal amount of variation, but yeah, we could, it's still a possibility. Yeah, just got to hope your end product has tolerances, like, through the it roof. Could, <laughs> it could be worse, though, Mercedes. So my last job was thermosets. So, like, if you think you have, yeah, right? So <laughs> we used to scrape the stuff off of trees in Southeast Asia. So, like, if you've ever had a bad day dealing with the material supplier, it could be, it could be worse. Could oh, be wow. Dealing with gum trees. How exciting. <laughs> that's, that's when Mason was a scientist. That was senior, another senior, senior scientist. That's a fancy title. <laughs> Again, I don't know where we're getting all these fancy titles from. but um, All right. Well, I think we're just about out of time here. Um, always a pleasure talking to you, Mason. This is fun. Mason Myers, thank you so much for joining us on Plastic. Yeah, thank you for having me. This was a great time. And Mercedes will buy you a beer at our next outing. I will. Sounds good. <laughs> I will? All right. I, I will. will. I will. I will. I will. All right. Thank you. All right. Thanks. Hey, thanks so much for listening to Plastics. New episodes appear on the first Friday of every month. So either follow or subscribe to get those new episodes ASAP. Plastics, the Voices of Resin is a plastics podcast sponsored by SPE, inspiring plastics professionals. If you want to find out more about SPE, please visit for, like the number, SPE.org. Oh, plastics.